0: This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 96, Crystals and Gemstones 101. Do you love crystals like I do? If you do, or if you'd like to learn more about them, how to care for them, and how to use them, well, this episode is for you. For today's episode, I sat down with Pam Erbis and Andy Duchovne. Pam is a yin yoga teacher, while Andy is an environmental advocate. Together, they are spiritual artists, rock hounds, sound healers, and the owner of the Indigo Sanctuary, which is an online source of handcrafted and Reiki infused products for yoga, for home sanctuaries, for sound healing, gemstone healing, and meditation. They are lovers of nature and collect their gemstones and crystals themselves in their travels. They cut, shape, polish and incorporate them into spiritual artwork and malas. With that particular background, I thought it would be very interested to sit down with them to talk about gemstones and crystals. But before we get to today's episode, I want to remind you of a few things. Number one, I am leading a yoga retreat in Mexico. I'm sure you know by now. It's going to be in November. You'll find the link in the show notes for more info about that. Number two, in parallel, I have launched a GoFundMe campaign. So I'm raising money to create some scholarships for the yoga retreat. So I really strongly encourage you to donate, to apply for a scholarship or to share the information with people that could use it. Number three, we have a premium membership here on the podcast. If you're unaware to get access to all the premium content, including the video format for this episode, all the exclusive episodes and our 200 video class library, you need to visit withribboncom ribbon.com slash Erica Belanger. And of course, you'll have the link for that in the show notes as well. Number four, last announcement is super exciting. I am so thrilled. We started to talk about it on episode 95. We are now at episode 96, so even closer to our 100th episode. And for the occasion, we have an incredible bundle of gifts for you, from yoga props, to clothes, to classes, and so much more. We have joined forces with brands we love to celebrate the occasion. And to participate in our giveaway, all you have to do is vote for your favorite episode on the podcast. And in the 100th episode, we'll share your choices. So check the link in the show notes for you to vote and enter our giveaway. And then until then, in every episode, I wanted to present you one of our sponsors. So on episode 95, we talk about Atleta, and you'll have their info in the show notes here today, too. But today I wanted to talk about Ajna Wellbeing. Ajna Wellbeing is a sister-run company that is committed to creating holistic lifestyle and wellness products that are eco-friendly, sustainable, and beautifully designed. Their mission is to create a holistic health movement based in a mindful and intuitive way of being, healing, and thriving, which is where their name stands for. They are gifting you with an Ajna Wellbeing Eco Bolster, which is hand stitched from recycled material into an Eco Suede luxurious bolster. But that's not all. They are also adding to your gift bundle an Eco Light acupressure mat and pillow set. This therapeutic acupressure kit harnesses your body's natural healing power, so it's 100% natural. And it's also made from eco-friendly, non-toxic, plant-based material, making it just as good for the earth as it is for you. And so with that, you can create a really simple and effective way to find a moment of calm in any hectic day. So, so far in our giveaway, we have a $100 gift card from Athleta and this Ajna Wellbeing Eco Bolster and Acupressure Mat and Pillow Set. But we have even more stuff coming up. We have more sponsors joining this giveaway. So come back for the next few episodes to have a full picture of what's coming your way. And don't forget to join the giveaway. All right, you have no idea how excited I am. But for now, enough chatting from me and about this. Let's get to our episode of today with Pam and Andy. Hi, Pam. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi. Hi,
1: Erica. Thank you for having us.
0: Such a pleasure. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your passion for gemstones, and how you became what we call rockhounds?
2: Okay, well, like you said, we are certainly rockhounds. We're also sound healers, entrepreneurs, and we think of ourselves as spiritual artists. We've always enjoyed hiking and camping and nature is a very healing place for both of us. Mm. Andy was always um, the one on the hike to pick up uh, the rocks though. <laughs> yeah. He always, it took us twice as long to get to our destination because uh, <laughs> he was picking up rock. And to, I noticed that they look like rocks, but when we got them home, they were gemstones. He had a very good eye for what he, uh, saw on, on the earth. And, um, it was a lot of fun, but, um, I recommended to him that we get a rock tumbler so that we could really see what kind of, uh, gemstone it was. And, uh, we did, he had gotten, he had had a rock tumbler when you were 13. 13. Yeah. 13. And he loved it. So, we thought this is a great idea get back to our inner child mm-hmm. and, um, have fun with it. So, um, that lasted for a while. And then we started going on rock hounding trips. So before that it was hiking and seeing what we could find. But this time we, uh, started planning trips for our rock hounding adventures and, um, it was a really a lot of fun Um, that evolved into cutting and polishing gemstones, lapidary art. And um, you make cabochons and cabochons are a shape that you place in a setting. And our settings are wood. Um, Most settings are silver or gold, but we make wood settings for our pieces And, um, uh, we just, that's how our business started. We started making things with our, with our gemstones. Um, and we were having a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. We were having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. People always ask if uh, they can buy a raw piece of stone from us or a crystal. Um, We don't really do it that way. We find ethically sourced gemstones so we can make art ourselves. Now we are starting a new, um, kind of sculpture that is called a palm stone that people can meditate with because people want to meditate with a crystal. And Mm -hmm. so we sculpt a small gemstone and, um, they, they really are very popular.
0: So we're going to put that on our website soon. So
1: it, it always evolves. Yeah, it of course.
0: Of course. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So you've used the word gemstone and the word crystal. And I know in yoga we tend to hear the word crystal more often, but I think sometimes it's a mistake. So can one of you explain, so we're on the same page, the difference between a gemstone and a crystal?
1: Sure. Gemstone is more generic. Uh, a gemstone is a type of mineral uh, that people recognize as having, you know, a, a a quality that they that they seek. Crystal refers to the actual structure of the gemstone. For instance, the shape, the shape exactly. Like quartz will very often be seen in a really discrete crystalline form, but very often Quartz can be in a massive form without crystals that, that are distinguishable. Uh, mm-hmm. So, gemstone is the nature of the stone, and crystal is just one of the forms that it may show in.
0: So, nature, it's the like mineral composition. Is that what you mean?
1: Yes. hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, gemstone can be crystal, and crystals are those automatically gemstones?
1: I think that would be the case, but okay. you may find some crystals. that that would not be considered gemstones. I think it's just, you know, a matter of definition.
0: Yeah. And what makes particular stones healing or what gives them some of the properties we attribute to them?
1: Well, there's a really long and rich history of the use of crystals and gemstones for spiritual and healing purposes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so modern days, they very often, we go back to the history of it and it goes back about 35,000 years. Wow. Uh, the word crystal comes from Greek and it means ice. And, uh, and we've adopted that in our language. So that's going back thousands of years. And in fact, the word amethyst is Greek, ancient mm-hmm. Greek, and it means not drunk. So the, the idea is that. that people used it as a, a, like a talisman to ward off drunkenness. Uh, in ancient Egypt, crystals were used all the time. Lapis lazuli was used in religious items, and it had a very spiritual feeling for the ancient Egyptians. And they used it on their sarcophaguses when they buried uh, you know, certain people like the, uh, the pharaohs. Um, quartz crystals were placed on the forehead in the third eye area of some Egyptians. And the idea was that the quartz crystal, which has a lot of power to it, a lot of energy, would help guide the spirit in the afterlife. So, you know, those are from the, uh, the Egyptian and Greek traditions. If you go to shamanic peoples, whether it's in Nepal or Tibet the Himalayas or the the Mongolian steppes, as well as um, Peru, South America, um, Native Americans. Turquoise has always been viewed as an incredibly spiritual stone. Um, In Asia, jade. So the history goes back many, many thousands of years. Um, Even if you go back to the Old Testament, Uh, Aaron's Aaron in the Old Testament had a breastplate with 12 gemstones in it. Mm. And those gemstones were thought to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. But later, the 12 gemstones were the origin of the idea of birthstones. So if you go back to recorded history, you see lots of examples of uh, gemstones being used for religious reasons and sometimes people would have you know, believed certain qualities went with those gemstones. And those those have been tracked to the present time.
0: And where are those qualities coming from? Is it coming from just a mineral from the earth itself? Is it part of that symbolism, spirituality, and how they've been used so that has been created around it? Is it part of history? like? Who like not who decided that this crystal does this, but how how have we come up to that?
1: Okay, I think a lot of it is from experiential experimentation mm. because from a physics level, we're all energy mm-hmm. and we all have vibrations. And as sound healers, we know that sound has vibrations and has an energy and the uh, crystals and gemstones have their own energy and the human body has an ability to try and entrain Mm. to synchronize with certain energies that are around it. So I think that over time people experimented with stones and they sensed a feeling of it and that validated, you know, the, uh, the concept behind what is this good for? Um, And I think you'll see it, in, in many cultures that have consistency, uh, black stones can be very grounded. And in feng shui, it, it's used for that purpose. So I think people have made uh, findings based on their intuition and experience. And I think it's been validated through different cultures over time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting. And it makes sense, especially if it dates back so far. So yeah. remembering this and something you said, I think Pam in the beginning about how the stones that you guys are working with are ethically source. If we think about and maybe I'm wrong on this, but if we think about the energy that they carry and how it's all about that vibration, then the energy of who found them or picked them or, you know, cut, polish, stumble them, it all affects it in the end. Everybody in the, you know, the chain before it gets to you, they have an imprint on it. Would you say that that's true?
2: I think that's totally accurate. And um, you, you could even look at your food that you eat. Mm. You know, your grandmother um, might have made a soup with the same recipe that your mother made, but hers is a lot better. Okay. Your grandmother's are, well, it's the energy that she put into that soup, Mm -hmm. right? It's yeah. And I, I think that's with, um, we source our stones in a very spiritual way. We have so much gratitude to the beauty of nature, um, that you've that it's, it's definitely in the stones that we, um, bring back home if that energy is so Mm -hmm. yeah um but sourcing like a lot of stones like for instance rose quartz the rose quartz that we um sent you it might not be as pink as you've seen in bracelets that um are on the internet or or in stores um because rose quartz is often dyed Mm. so yeah So, you know, that's just one example
0: of uh, the pure form of the stone. So that being said, once we get new gemstones, how do we prepare them before using them? If we're unsure of the energy that they have imprinted along the way, because maybe it was, you know, done like with machinery or a bit more like in a conflict energetically, the way it was taken or traded We don't always know. So do we clear them all the time or is it about us kind of feeling into it and decided if we should clear them before using them or if we want to keep the energy that's been imprinted in them?
2: It really depends on the person. Mm -hmm. Okay, what the person we really are strong believers of intuition. You know, you feel that this is going to be right for you. It will be. But we sage everything that we um, bring home. And, um, you know, especially if you're wearing jewelry with stones, mm. that, that really needs to be saged often. So we're, we're big sage yeah. sagers. Yeah. Yeah. And, um,
0: any other rituals you use
2: to clear the stones? We, um, have a home practice every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and l- like we told you, we're sound healers. So, um, the clearing that we do is sage and sound healing. When we do our practice, we actually clear the stone that we set an affirmation to um, in our singing bowl. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to make this really clear to people because we're very protective of singing bowls. (laughs) We put a pillow in the singing bowl. And the pillow, the stone has to really go on the pillow because you don't want the gemstone the the gem to hit it, okay? So that's, yeah. and um, And then I sing my bowl. And actually, my bowl sounds a lot different with the crystal inside it than when I don't have it inside. That makes total sense, but I've never thought
0: of that. That's so cool.
2: Yeah, it's really, yeah. Um, Some people feel really uncomfortable with that technique and they put the crystal near the singing bowl and they can play their singing bowl or they can tap it um, Mm. as well. Um, Even before we go into our home sanctuary, we have a room, but it doesn't have to be a room. It could be a corner of your room or a little altar. We actually... You could do it with tinctures or a singing bowl. We hit our singing bowl just to get the vibration moving. We we really um, focus more on clearing through our instruments, our singing bowls and tinctures and bells, um, because um, that appeals to us. But it might somebody might love the sage too. Mm-hmm, also, mm-hmm. when we get home from a rock hounding uh, trip, though, we sage because that's like you know. That's just easy. It's very easy. Yeah. We're really big on clearing the energy because Andy and I are empaths. And for us, clearing is really, really helpful. That's what we do. But I really do think people need to trust themselves what they need. And maybe they don't need to clear as often as we do. Yeah.
1: There are a number of ways that you can clear in addition to sound healing and sage, like Pam mentioned, uh, you can put them in in the moonlight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You can on the new moon and the full moon, and you you can even do it in your house through the window. You can do it through sunlight, but be careful. Amethyst will fade, so you want to make sure you know whether your stone is okay. You can do it in salt water, or you can place salt in a bowl and then put your crystals in another bowl and place that in the bigger bowl with the salt and cover it and let it sit for twenty-four hours. And when you're done throw the salt out. You know, so there are a number of ways that, that you can clear your crystals before you use them.
0: And is that in your opinion a one time deal when you receive them or is that something you do regularly if you use them regularly for meditation or other practices?
1: If you're going to use it for meditation, or other practices, we think you should cleanse it more often. As Pam said, for our meditation stones, we clear them before we use them every time. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: selenite is also very good for clearing the energy. You can put your stones on selenite and let it sit for 24 hours.
0: Good tips. For people that are just starting and they're about to get their first gemstones, maybe there's, you know people favorites or do you have some of the most common we can quickly mention with why we would choose those intuitively? Like what might we get if we're, or what are we looking for if we're choosing one stone versus another?
2: Well, I think that, um, everybody needs to be grounded, especially (laughs) after this, you know, COVID it's been a very hard year and grounding is very important. So we go by the system of the chakras that's how we assess our, our stones. I like black onyx. That's my particular stone. I'm really big into perfection and, um, protection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Or protection from your perfectionism, yeah, yeah, yeah. something like yeah. that. And
2: then you could do, um, black obsidian as well. I like a lot of black stones and, um, I guess, you know, if you're a person who is like a little fearful or, you know, nervous about going out into the world and uh, those stones are really um really good. Kyanite is another one that um is very good too. It's not as pretty, it's very it's very good also. I guess a lot. I like black stones. I guess I do. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Do yeah. you have a... But, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just uh, wanting to see if any had a favorite of his own, maybe well-known or a little obscure. Just
1: Well, it, it's funny. Pam's is the grounding one, and mine is the crown, and, mm. and that would be lapidolite.
0: I see. That, I would say that's... That's an yeah. interesting balance between you two. Like, the polarity here is... is- <laughs>
1: But I always have my grounding stone. I, <laughs> I love I it. I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah,
0: yeah. I love yeah. it. So you talked about using the stones for the chakras. And interestingly enough, the colors of the chakras that we associate, you know, that we see, are not necessarily the color of the stone that go with it. So why is that? Is there... Is there maybe it's a silly question. <laughs> it's super obvious.
2: No, no, because I mean, that's perfect example is uh, rose quartz and the, mm-hmm. you know, chakra is, is green. Yeah. So, um, it really, um, it's a good question. And, and yeah. do you have any uh, answer to that? Cause we always, yeah. <laughs> I,
1: I think, I think it's just a matter of the chakra system came out of Asia and I think you know, in India and, you know, the Himalayan area. And I think they came up with their color that they connected to. And I think then when you deal with other stones, like the black the black obsidian, it's a root chakra stone. It's not red,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's black. And it's just, I think people added to uh, the whole repertoire of stones, based on the vibration of that stone and they just didn't Mm -hmm. hold themselves to the color
0: so again it's from experience of the stone versus that box of the color that's associated with the chakras and there's more colors of stones that there's colors of chakras anyway (laughs) so we'd have to you know discount so many (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah.
2: it's interesting because i i used to teach yoga at a woman's shelter And I gave a student of mine a piece of rose quartz and uh, she was so happy. Mm. And, um, next class came back and she said, Pam, this rose quartz made me feel so much love. And I felt a connection to a higher power Mm. and, um, and, She felt it. She wasn't looking at the color. She felt it. Well, I got back home and they said, you know, rose quartz really connects you to the divine. And um, she wasn't looking at books or anything like that, you know? So I think Andy's absolutely correct. Uh, It's not always the visual. And, And we always recommend to people when picking out a stone, take some deep breaths, hold the stone, What is it saying to you? Hmm. Now, people are like, you know, stones don't talk, but (laughs) they do. Not with words, but... Not in words. No, not in words, but in vibration. Mm -hmm. And um, if you ask a child, a child would do that. You know, you look at children. We We sell a lot of things, and we sometimes have, like, free little stones, and we give them to children. And we find... They want to touch the stone. That's what they want to do. They want to touch the stone. That's the first thing they want to do. So that's that's what you need to do is touch the stone and then look at it. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it's all about the feeling. And your intuition, what you perceive and what it brings up into you when you choose. Whether you're working with your chakra system or you're working outside of that with a particular intent, if you're looking for being grounded without thinking of the chakra or just being calm or... So you Mm -hmm. hold it and you see if it might align with that for you. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think when we breathe deeply and hold it, that breath work really makes a big difference.
0: Then you know. I mean, it allows us to center and to feel those things, right? To connect to that intuition, to connect to the more subtle that if we're in our busy mind, we're not going to feel, we're not going to hear in the Mm -hmm. same way. So that just moment of stopping and breathing is like making space. And then you're able to... Open that communication or just feel into it a little bit more clearly.
2: Mm -hmm. And that's what children do. They look at this pile of stones. (laughs) They naturally breathe deeply. Mm. Sometimes they ask us if they can touch them or pick one up. I mean, that's what they usually do. And I think we lose that part of us as adults. So it's very interesting to watch. Children
0: are so intuitive,
2: they're so intuitive. (laughs) they really are
0: yeah I think as you say we really lose it as we get older probably because we try to fit in in a way we try to you know we are taught to be following some rules and some structures and to kind of put that aside to please people to feel loved, to feel like we belong and that voice loses a little bit of its strength over time and it whispers less and less you know loudly so we disconnect slowly Mm -hmm.
1: and i think in this modern era where children are taught to to look for something provable and i think that these are the like certain energies can be measured but when you're dealing with the subtle energies you know i think people are taught oh no don't believe in those things and Children are are sort of stifled as they grow up, and they second-guess what they know is true. They second-guess what they feel, and it's sad that it's taken from them.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Things as simple as, in my case, I was told again and again growing up I was too sensitive, and it was meant in a way that, you know, I was a crybaby, and yes, I was, and I still am a very sensitive person, but I kind of stuffed it down and I lost for a while that capacity to connect in a way with the very subtle because I was told that was not okay, right? So Mm -hmm. like you say, we just shut it off a little bit to feel more accepted, feel okay, according to the circle of people around us. So we talked about meditation. Can we go a little bit more into practices we can do with the stones? Like we have them at home now. What do we do with them? To like enjoy them. and
2: Well, like I was saying before, we, you know, we put the stone in the bowl to clear it with a pillow. And then uh, we set an affirmation. We hold the stone and say the affirmation. We tend to say the affirmation to ourselves three times. Mm -hmm. So not just once. And I think the three times is very helpful because it like moves into your body and you're saying it with the breath silently and then we you know start our meditation that's really getting back to the point that holding your stone saying the meditation um setting an affirmation really helps and we like staying with that crystal gemstone for a good period of
0: time Mm. to create a relationship with it over time
2: Yes, yes, Mm, yes, yes. If you weren't doing it for a practice, let's say you needed to go to a meeting and you needed a little extra courage. Okay. And it's outside of your meditation practice, then you could switch it around. But for your meditation practice, exactly what you said, have a relationship with this gemstone and still clear it every day, even though Mm. your relationship is building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
1: and we've added uh, another aspect where uh, we make singing bowl playing sticks with chakra gemstones. So if we have a root chakra singing bowl, we create a a playing stick for that bowl with a root chakra gemstone, and it has a synergistic energy,
0: mm-hmm. you know, more than
1: just the energy of the stone and the energy of the bowl. And we find that adds another layer to to our experience with the energy of both the sound and the stone.
0: Yeah. So in meditation, you can hold it. Are you holding it the whole meditation or just when you set your affirmation or intention? When,
1: when you're, if you're, if you're doing your clearing with your singing bowl.
0: Yeah. It's inside. Or if you're doing a
1: singing bowl meditation, which we often do. Yeah. We, we do that. It's something that's unique. I think that that we have, we've created them and they're on our website and and we just love The idea of adding more stones into your practice and whatever your personal practice may be.
0: Yeah. So we have two techniques here. We have the meditation technique and then we have the joining it with another practice that you have like sound healing. Yes. And and,
1: and also if during your personal practice you do say a japa meditation with malas, Mm -hmm. we also incorporate our gemstones into the malas, So we do like to incorporate healing gemstones into every aspect of our practice that we can.
0: Mm-hmm. And Pam, you talked about jewelry before as well. So having them on your body as former jewelry or even in your pocket, if you're going to that stressful meeting, is the jewelry itself? Because you talked about clearing the jewelry for sure. Right, so.
2: right, right. With sage, which is probably like the easiest way to clear yeah. it. Yeah, jewelry it's on your body it's feeling the energy around you it's really collecting a lot of energy and it doesn't matter if the energy is good or bad it's energy it needs to be cleared so jewelry definitely i think needs to be cleared every day yeah. i don't always do it every day i have to be honest it's a lot you know i don't always do it every day, but i do it it's a, it's really but i remember you know when i put it on clear it OK, that's I, I always remember, like, if I have some jewelry that I'm going to put on, that's probably t- the time that I clear it. It's interesting. And then the stone, like the pocket stone that you take with you, you need to clear that, too. Once you bring the stone outside into the world. Mm. You need to, yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah.
0: all this. We can have them in our home decor, like or like if we have an altar, or like you said, a sanctuary at home. And then there's also all sorts of beauty products now, like the roller and the massage stones that we can use that are made of, I've seen jade, mm-hmm. I've seen rose quartz. So those two, we might not think about it, but we should also clear those as we practice those moments you know, with her body and maybe adding those affirmation and doing all this
2: yeah. cross work. We really find affirmations very helpful. It's something that you know, helps us. It's lovely to incorporate that with a stone.
1: And I think it gives you a visual image to go with your affirmation because I will look at my gemstone when I'm setting my affirmation and it's the same stone and, you know, I think of the image when I close my eyes to set the affirmation.
0: Mm-hmm. So we're engaging different parts of our selves, our brain and our energy and our language center. And so we're doubling up on what we're aiming for. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, and I also think that if in moments of stress, it's, it's really helpful to think back to that gemstone. Mm. Like if it's a rooting gemstone or, uh, you know, a courage gemstone that you have a relationship with, I'll think about it. You know, I'll think about the meditations that I've had with it, my affirmations, and it brings back memories that I draw on.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I think you build, as you said, you build a relationship and you build a practice and you build a history that has memories. And that's very powerful.
0: Absolutely. Like you were saying, when we build that relationship and we stay with the same stone for a while, what is a while? How long do we work with one particular stone until we're ready to move on? I guess you you can't answer that, but <laughs> what's your tip well, for to help people know that they're ready to move on?
2: Well, we believe in the process of 30 days. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's an awful long time. I think science is saying 20 days for the body to memorize something for the energy to move into the body and the body actually memorizes it. And there are some schools of thought that may even say 40 days, but we go with uh, 30 days and then we change. Even a specific meditation that we pick- We stay with that meditation for 30 days. We don't jump around from one meditation to another. Mm -hmm. Some people don't like that, but I think they'll get used to it. And I think they'll appreciate it once they do it.
0: I mean, there's value in the repetition because you feel you experience different things as you go. You might be able to get to layers that you wouldn't be able to get to if you did not create repetition. If you just jump from one to the other, the relationship would be more surface, right? So you go a little deeper in it.
2: I totally agree with you. And Andy does too. And there have been meditations that... I don't like and some meditations that he doesn't like. But sometimes the ones that you start with that you don't like, you love the most. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating how you can start to love something that you are like, oh, I kind don't really dreading. Yeah. It.
0: Yeah, I exactly know what you mean. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so that's the good thing about doing a meditation together. We encourage each other and we may compromise. And then I always suggest to people too, that if it's hard for you to have a practice, you can like pick a partner that you want, you know, say a friend that you want to uh, say, we want to do meditation. And every time you meditate or you do your practice, you text them and you count together. And that's really wonderful. You encourage each other. So you don't have to be in the same physical space.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Not yeah. only it's accountability, but we're talking about energy. So space and time is kind of just a construct at that point. So they could be meditating across the world from you and you can still connect very intensely.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Crystals and gemstones really add to um, a meditation and they even add to our singing bowl meditation, as Andy has explained. And um we even place them in our garden. And gardening can be a meditation. So we just love them. We we prefer rose quartz. Anybody interested in crystals and gardens, rose quartz. They love your plants. They make them grow. We're not very good at gardening. And we're doing pretty well. Yeah, this year. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: That's a good yeah, tip. Girl. I have some plants that are not as happy as they should be. Maybe I'll give them a little, a little <laughs> crystal love. support. <laughs> all right. Anything else you want to add before we finish? If there's one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with when it comes to crystals and gemstones, what would it be?
2: We've traveled all over rock hounding. We really believe in the outdoors And uh, want to encourage people to do that activity as well as um, meditate with crystals, do any of your home practice with crystals. So um, there are some books and Facebook groups that you can join. And um, we're not so big on the internet. The internet doesn't always tell you the, the right stone, the right places to go to. Like for example, we went to Rhode Island and on the internet, they said there are no good gemstones in Rhode Island and Rhode Island has a beautiful beach called Moonstone beach and it's full of (laughs) moonstones and you don't even have to hunt for them. They're right there, right at your feet. Amazing! So, um, and we found that out through a Facebook group. Yeah.
0: Amazing. So if you have resources, I will share them in the show notes for people to go and to find these groups. And I'll put all your information in the show notes. But in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you if they want to learn more or they want to see what else you're offering?
1: Well, our website is The Indigo Sanctuary. So it's www.theindigosanctuary.com. And we have extensive information on gemstones there. Uh, in our blogs and on sound healing and on chakras and a lot of information there. And we have a lot of products there. That's really nice to look at. And we think they're different and a lot of gemstones and on Instagram, we are at the Indigo Sanctuary and we feature a lot of gemstones there as well as other things, sound bowls, you know, all kinds of things. And we try to put a lot of information in there as well on Facebook. We are the Indigo Sanctuary and we invite people to email us at theindigosanctuary@gmail.com at if they have any questions, or they can do it through Instagram as well.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Perfect. And we're
1: always happy to share information.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me today for talking about all of this. It was very interesting. Well, thank you for having yeah, us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, rate and review this podcast anywhere you listen. Come and connect with us on Instagram at on and off your mat podcast and visit withribbon.com slash you Erica Belanger to become a premium member and get your hands on all our exclusive content. Check out the show notes to find more info about our guests of today, Pam and Andy from the Indigo Sanctuary, or my top five biggest takeaways from this episode, or any information you might need about the upcoming yoga retreat and the GoFundMe campaign and scholarship. And then lastly, do not forget, go do it right away. Vote for your favorite episode so far on the podcast and enter our huge celebratory giveaway, for our upcoming 100th episode all right before you go i just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support including all the members in making this possible once again thank you for listening until next time